Welcome to Doing the Most, the series where we talk about the misadventures of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Georgie, execution strategist and serial entrepreneur. This series is here to get real about what entrepreneurial life truly looks like. We are driven, persistent, hardworking, ambitious. We are human, and these are our stories. Welcome back to Doing the Most, The Misadventures of Entrepreneurship. Today, our special guest, Simone Cotraba, is going to be telling us about her entrepreneurial journey. And actually, I should say Dr. Cotraba. So she's going to talk about how she, be, you know, what made her become a doctor, how um, has her life shifted as an entrepreneur, like the work that she's doing. So to start off, Simone, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of how you got here? Yes. Yeah, so I um I would say, yes, I'm a mom. That's like my number one priority, being a mom. I'm a mom of twins. Um, and, you know, being a woman, <laughs> that's, that's a big deal. And just being, you know, I grew up in the Caribbean, similar to you, like in Jamaica. And I think that's where my journey began, you know, being, in, yes, an entrepreneur. That's where the journey begins. I think for every Caribbean woman, that's where it starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, ebbs and flows throughout life, but uh, I think right now I'm most proud of being a mom and really, you know, still going through this this journey that I'm on. It's an ongoing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So, you know, tell me about what in you know growing up in the Caribbean, growing up in Jamaica, inside of that like entrepreneurial side of you. Like, what did you experience growing up? Yeah, so. Um, Definitely, you know, always my family always had like a shop, we, you know, a shop or a grocery store, some side business, always multiple businesses. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you, you can relate, right? Uh, multiple businesses. And I've always worked in those businesses. Like in my dad's shop, I was like the, um, the manager, the leader, you know, as a young child, I remember being eight years old and being responsible for getting up early and opening the shop and serving the community which was like such an amazing experience to have. And I think that's really, it's been in my blood. It's part of my DNA, <laughs> it's part of my DNA. And I've tried many other avenues, which we'll share here. And I still, and I ended up back on this journey. So I think for me, it's meant to be, that's what I'm meant to be doing, right? Um, being an entrepreneur. <laughs> nice. And so, you know, about uh, when did you immigrate from, um, Jamaica and like how what, what was that what was that process like? Sure. Um, so yeah, I came here uh, in the states when I was uh, fourteen, um, and the process was you know my mom moved here with my, with two of my siblings, and then later you know me and my other sibling came to live with my mom, and we we were living in Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn uh, through teenage years. Uh, went to school in Brooklyn. Um, so I felt like I left the Caribbean, but growing, going to Brooklyn in Crown Nights, Flatbush. It's just mini Caribbean. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I felt like, I was, yes. So my transition to the U.S., you know, because I was in high school in Jamaica, because we start high school young. So transitioning here was challenging because, you know, I miss all my friends and all the community and the, the culture is different, right? Mm -hmm. But once I got here, um, living in Crown Heights and like hanging out in Flatbush, <laughs> it's like a mini Caribbean. So then everything kind of remained the same, except like the structure of schooling was different for me. Um, where, you know, it's like free, you're free, you don't have to wear uniforms. <laughs> you 
could go to school any hell way in the Caribbean. That's not happening, nope. right? <laughs> um, and yeah, one thing that surprised me too here was the way the students talked to the teachers. That was shocking because back then, you know, back then, um, you can't do that. Otherwise, there will be trouble. <laughs> you get knocked down. Let's just be honest. Yes. You get yes, knocked exactly. down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm not even sugarcoated for them. You will be knocked out. You physical punishment. Yes. And, you know, times exactly. have changed. And th that's different countries. So anyone that's catching a, like, fiddle, oh, my God, don't hit children. Like, no. That's just how, what we grew up in. And that's just how it worked. So yes. it was a whole different shift when you came here. Yeah, so that was a that was a big shift for me. And um, you know, my mom growing up, my like I said, my family had a shop, my dad had a shop, my mom worked there, we all worked there. So coming here, my mom had to work outside of the, the house. So that was different, right? Um, where we used to be able to go home for lunch in Jamaica. Now you had to, you know, go into the cafeteria <laughs> because mom was at work, right? Um, and I think too, I found different that my mom was working as a single mom, right? working a lot of hours and uh, prior to that I had full access to my mom right um, so that was really different that was like a culture shock like why is mom not home right <laughs> yeah so those were the the shocks for me and just like schooling was a big shock um, how kids behave and um, you know for me I knew that my only way out of you know the situation, right, was just to get an education. So I was focused. I was like laser focused on getting educated and doing the best that I could do, right? Despite all the violence around me and all the situations, you know, Brooklyn back then is not Brooklyn today, right? Let's face it's it. Not. Let's, it's not. <laughs> it was rough for kids back then. Yeah. So yeah, so that was kind of my experience um, with the transition. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, you got here you had to kind of like figure out where you belong in this like new ecosystem and just like what was important to you and like i want to talk a little bit about like a dynamic shift that i experienced and I, i'm not sure how many other people have experienced it where you said you know you're so used to your mom kind of like being home and then she just help with like the shopping stuff and so you had like a more accessibility to her so what did that shift in your brain as to like what you wanted to do for work right so now you saw like this single mom kind of like just out there working 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 and you saw like how that impacted you and your siblings because now it's like less accessibility to her it sounded like you were one of like the a little bit older compared to um most of your siblings so like what responsibility or just like mindset shifted that like instilling you like what did you now have to do um to make sure that either you weren't in that position or you were able to help her out of that position like what were you thinking yeah so for me um I'm the middle child of like five kids because a lot of us <laughs> so I you know and being the middle child I was like the oldest right so I was very responsible from early on and I think my duties as being in the shop kind of transitioned to when I got here because instead of being in the shop I was helping with my siblings like my I had a younger brother who was like two years old, a <laughs> long story. And my younger sister, you know, I had to like, you know, kind of help with them, take do homework and with my younger sister and help my babysit my younger brother and do all that stuff, cooking and all the household duties that you do um, to help your parents out. So that was a lot of responsibility for me. Um, and then my mom, other kids' mom would go to like parent-teacher conferences and I used to play basketball my mom could never make because she's always working right so so that was a big adjustment yeah 
And so, like, what did you then, like, kind of, you know, as kids, like, we tell ourselves, like, these stories, essentially, like, I must never have this type of job. So, like, what were you kind of telling yourself yeah. and, like, ideologies that you were forming within yourself at that time when these things were happening? Yes, yeah, so my mom was a nanny, right? So I told myself, I am not being a nanny, right? I'm not taking care of anybody's children. <laughs> I am not working long hours. I want to work the hours that I want to work. And I'm going to get an education because that's the only way, mm. right? At the time, my brain and, you know, being trained, programmed to think that was the only way to be successful um, is to get an education so that way you don't have to work for anybody else. You could work for yourself. I mean, I didn't have a clue, <laughs> but I just went with that, right? And I just was telling myself, I'm not doing that. And I ended up getting a job and do, you know, Jamaicans, right? Like we have to have seven jobs, Ten jobs. right? Let's yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> stressful so yeah <laughs> stressful exactly yeah so I I did that like I'm gonna work now as I'm young I'm gonna go to school so when I'm older I don't have to deal with all that stuff my mom is going through but it never worked out that way <laughs> and so now you know what made you decide so like what after you graduated high school like where did you end up going for college and like you know you had these entrepreneurial um trainings from when you were like really young so did any of that like kind of stay with you through that time or was it more so like get educated start my own company or like work for somebody else and then start my own company like what was like that path that led you to entrepreneurship like after you finished like school like high school like what was like the first degree that you went on to get and like why yeah so sure so in high school I majored in business and then when I graduated high school I went to college of Staten Island and I majored in like education right uh, because, you know, I didn't know why I was told I need to be educated. So I just became a teacher. So I became a teach. I, you know, became a teacher. Um, and right after college, I didn't go right directly into teaching. I took like a year off to figure out what I wanted to do. But I started working as a consultant with like different companies, teaching kids with autism. And I did that for a while. And then I went into full time into teaching because I thought everyone says, you need to get a pension. You need to get health benefits. 401k. (laughs) Yes. My little mind was like, yeah, I need to do that. And I really didn't like it because I don't like restrictions. I don't like hours, right? Like I have to be here at a certain time, leave at a certain time. I don't like to be bossed around. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So that was tricky. And then I went to graduate school and then after graduate school I was still teaching and then I quit my teaching job and then I started my own company (laughs) I know and I was like a full-blown consultant for like um seven years I was like you know working with school districts and families and helping you know um kids with behavioral issues and all that stuff and I loved that that was great and then I decided oh let me go get my doctorate so when I did that I'm like oh I want to be a professor now you know what I (laughs) <laughs> and I'm telling you, I was just like in this cycle of wanted freedom, but I didn't know how to get freedom, right? I just kept hearing you need a pension, you need security, and you know, being an entrepreneur, that's not going to get you anywhere. You know, you need more stability. So I kind of listened to society and the culture that I was around and continue in education. And then I um, recently I was a vice principal in Boston Public Schools. Uh, like about three for three years and I decided okay I'm done it's time to go out on your own and do the things that you love to do Um, and it was not an easy journey because I have twins right I have young kids I'm married I have a wife and security is important in our culture and it was not easy I actually took a year off um, because I was like feeling depressed and um, 
out of alignment with who I truly am. And I was, I really was suffering, to be honest, I was suffering on the inside because people wanted me to, uh, and encouraged me, oh, become the principal of the school and then you'll feel better. Things will be a lot better. And I knew that wasn't the road for me. So I was really struggling emotionally. So I ended up um, getting a coach um, to help me through this process. So I went to Tony Robbins and I walked on fire and then I came back. I'm like, yes, life will never be the same. <laughs> and it was, you know, even with a coach, I was still struggling. I didn't know if I wanted to go back to teaching, go back to being a professor, go back to education, to safety, right? To safety. So I decided I'm going to write a curriculum for schools. And I was writing a curriculum for schools and I was still suffering because there was something still missing. I'm like, I didn't know what was missing. And I get, got another coach. <laughs> oh, a <laughs> lot got, of coaches. <laughs> yes. I went through this process where I'm like, I need help. And I kept going through this process, process because I thought I needed help to figure out what I needed to do because I didn't want to go back to that institution. Um, and then I decided, um, so it will be a year now. I decided, oh my God, after going through all the coaching, I decided, oh my God, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to, I'm going to help people <laughs> because I, you know, like transitioning from career, being a mom, all this stuff, like other women were stuck and suffering the same as me. And I wanted to help them get unstuck and stop suffering. Um, so I just one day woke up and said, I wanted to do that. And I said to my wife, oh my God, I'm going to coach. And she's like, yes, you are a coach. Of course you are. Do that. You know, so it wasn't a planned thing. Um, and I'm still going through it, right? Because through the coaching process, I realized that I'm attracting different people, different things, different situations where it's not always a smooth road, right? It's like I'm helping other people, but I'm also helping myself, right? Um, and I, for me, it's my coaching is almost a year since I've been really on my own now. Um, and it's taken on many different, um, I guess, layers, right? I started working with women like on self-image and then I realized that women had a lot of issues with money. So I started, so I moved away. So I started working on self-image and money because that's a topic that many people don't want to talk about. It's a fact that we all want to have money, right? We want to help people. So we need to have lots of money to help people, but how do we do that? Right. And we have beliefs about money that really keeps us struggling and stuck and, you know, through the journey, basically. Um, I know that was long-winded, but... Um. <laughs> no, the answer was actually really perfect. And I want to actually highlight a few things that you said. So through that, you mentioned the fact that you were going through like a lot of different coaches and you were using like uh, originally a lot of these external sources until you realized like it was like you had to go within, like, right? You had to go within yourself. And I'm pretty sure some of the coaches did mention that you have to go within. So, and that's, and it's like, once you went within, you're like, wait, I'm attracted to these coaches and I keep going to these coaches because that's you know I see where I want to be and so it wasn't more so that you needed like you know the coaching was definitely helpful and it wasn't only that you, you needed to be coached it was the idea it was the fact that like you were attracted to coaching because you are a coach and so you know understanding like the dynamics of that I think is really important. And so just like in every in individuals, like their everyday life, we have to not only see where we want to go or see what we want to be, but just also being open to um, the idea that, you know, you attract what you want. Like you attract, like once you have your mind in the right place, like the things that you want will just kind of fall into your life and you might not see them the way they're, you know, the way they're supposed to be. Like if you look at, you know, I don't know, 
or oh, I know. So I have Apple on my decks. Uh, the I listened to a talk by um, what's it called? Uh, it was an interview with Oprah and um, Bishop T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes, and he was talking about Apple. So he was saying like, you know, when people look at like apples and like, you know, they um, they were looking like the, the people were looking like these looking at these bunch of apples and the apple was just like i'm not meant to i know i'm not meant to be an apple i'm meant to be an orchard right and so people are just like what do you mean you're supposed to be an orchard you're just an apple but it's like in order to become the orchard like the apple had to cut like you have to cut to the core because it's like the seeds within the apple is what's going to make the orchard but if you're just so focused on the, the peel and the flesh and like all these external things you're never going to be able to cut to the core so that's like that was really like um profound when i heard that because it's like we're, we we so often kind of hold in what's inside of us and like you know we'll hang out with orchards we'll go around orchards but we're not and we feel and it's until we realize oh shoot that's because i am an orchard <laughs> let me cut to the core open up what needs to be opened up and like once you unleash that now you know if we keep on with the apple analogy you're feeding hundreds of thousands of people whereas the one apple where you throw away the seeds one apple could just feed one person maybe two if you want to be kind and cut it in half so just really <laughs> like understanding like that deeper essence of ourselves and so when you committed to the coaching business now what were some of the things that you started to do to set up like your your coaching business and like set on your entrepreneurial journey um and then like after that I wanted to talk to a little bit of like how did you get rid of like the voices that said oh you need more stability oh you need like a pension and all these fancy things like did it like what did it take to kind of get rid of those voices yeah, so um, it's, you know, like you hit on a really good point. It's going within. And I didn't realize that there were uh, beliefs that I had about myself that was keeping me back, right? So beliefs that I needed to be a leader. Um, I am a leader, right? But I needed to be in a certain environment to shine. Like, you know, because society says you have to be doing this. So I initially was doing those things and I enjoyed everything that I've done. But um, when I really went in and looked at it, was I doing it for me or was I doing it for somebody else, right? Once I realized I wasn't doing it for me, it was easier for me to kind of grapple with, okay, well, what's next? How do I shift my beliefs around, you know, my self-image, what people think of me and what I think people think of me and what I think about myself, right? Once I was able to shift that and go within uh, and change my paradigms, my subconscious beliefs about certain things, then it became a little bit um, easier to understand why I was where I was and why I needed to grow into the person that I want to be, right? And it wasn't, it, it's really, and it's, the journey continues, man. Um, and it's a spiritual journey. It's not just looking at, oh, I want to do that. Let me go do that because I've done that, right? It's a spiritual journey. It's going within, understanding that there is more to Simone, like there's a deeper, um, connection to you to, to the universe basically to higher forces whatever we call it you know god whatever we call it right um there's something bigger than me that's pulling me in a direction and i was saying no to it and that's why i was suffering on the inside um and once i started listening to the voices the little whispers once i started listening i realized that oh okay that's easier before I was ignoring it, I would be walking in the school, in the hallways, right? Because as an assistant principal, you're patrolling the hallway. And I would literally be walking in the hallways. And I would be seeing myself on stage, like giving a talk. 
right? But not in a school system, right? Like on stage, like Lisa Nichols, I would see that, right? <laughs> I would see myself giving talks and doing all these things. And once I started listening to the voice, then it became louder and louder and louder. So I had no choice but to listen um, and take action. Yeah, and the process I went through, I went through um, Proctor and Gallagher. So Bob Proctor, like he has a different approach to coaching because it's more about spiritual development and inner work. And I think that helped me um, understand the bigness of the plan that the universe has for all of us. Love that, love that, love that. And, you know, just respecting, right? Like one, discovering, and then two, respecting and embracing that bigger plan. So uh, when you decide to start the, the business, you know, let's talk about that, right? Like what was the, what's the first kind of things that you started to do? So you said, you know, you said to your wife, like, hey, I'm going to become a coach. Did you go out and try to like um, get any like certifications or how did you start getting your first client? So like, let's talk about that early stage. Yeah. So basically, so when I went through, you know, Proctor Gallagher for coaching and I ended up becoming a coach for them. So I had to, um, basically I had to, it's like being a franchise, right? So I, I had to purchase like rights to their material to, to use their material to coach my clients because that material was so profound for me and impactful. I wanted to use the same content basically to help my clients. So I kind of, you know, purchased that, you know, think about it. I'm not working. Income is not coming in, <laughs> spending all my money. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, I want to do this. And now I have to spend more money in, you know, becoming like a franchise or whatever, a consultant to be able to use this material to coach people. So I went through that process. And basically what I did was I just started having events. Like I went on Eventbrite and I just started having like free events so people can come I could share some of my stories and find out their stories to see how I could help them. And I started attracting people that way. Um, and then I, you know, started doing a little bit of Facebook. Um, then now I'm big into social media uh, because before that I didn't even have an account on social media. <laughs> now I'm on social media like every day. So basically, you know, having a lot of events, um, talking to people, um, contacting people that I know who might need help, just sharing my story of how I was suffering, living a life that I didn't want to live. And now I'm living the life that I want to. If this resonates with you and you're in a similar situation, let's have a conversation. So that's kind of how I started, basically. Very simple. Um, because before that, when I wanted to start a different business, I had spent a lot of money with websites and, and all these people and all these different things and design and, and you know, just external things. And that really didn't pan out for me. Um, so I decided this time around to just start small and to kind of connect with people on a humanistic level, basically. That is amazing. And so now I would like to ask you, um, what is a, uh, an adventure or something that you've experienced that you think is one of your biggest entrepreneurial misadventures? So this is something that really did not go according to plan and something that maybe have caught you super off guard and really unexpected as a as an entrepreneur as a business owner so what um could you share like a story or a time that that happened sure yeah so um like you know initially investing in a business that you believe will be your business you're passionate about it and um right before i really got into the this coaching um i spent a lot of money i had all these people helping me doing all these things 
And I thought I was going to have this amazing curriculum that I'm going to sell to schools. I'm going to make millions of dollars. <laughs> I already hear it. That, that, that alone, you could have just ended it there and that would have been enough. Yes, exactly. And then it just, yeah, I was just like, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> because you know what? I think I didn't have the right mindset. I think it comes down to mindset. And even though like, you know, intellectually i'm a pretty i'm pretty smart but like you know my beliefs and my paradigm and you know the, the mindset is 90 95% is mindset right i didn't have the right mindset um so because of that things just fell flat right and i i didn't feel good about continuing even though i spent all this money um i was just like you know what that's okay this is a lesson learned simone it's not a failure you learned a lesson now you can step into something else something that you're truly meant to do because I think I was still fighting this whole education thing where I had to be in education. I had to be this person. And you know, I had my foot in there and it was just time to just take your foot out girl and just do what, you know, you're being called to serve in a different way. And I just had to listen, I got listen to the voice. And once I did that, I felt emotionally free and all the financial part of it didn't matter because emotionally I was free. And I know that all that money is coming back because that's how, you know, energy works, right? It comes all right back. So that was my big misadventure. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think I, what I want to highlight from that is just like um, letting go to kind of gain more in the future. And um, there was a quote because I have like this momentum dashboard thing that every time I go on like Chrome, it's like a new quote every day. And there was a recent quote um, by Marilyn Monroe. It was just like letting go of the good to like, and I'm paraphrasing this terribly wrong, but hopefully you guys get the point, but it's like letting go of good to then open up and accept the great, right? Um, oh, letting good things fall apart so great things still fall together. And I think that's word for word what it said. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, like that is, that is true because if you hold on to something that's not well, right? If we think of like illnesses, right? Do we want to hold on to a cold, right? We have to go through the cold and say, you know, I don't want this cold, let go of it in order to then heal from the cold. We have to one, accept that this is a cold, this sucks, right? Now, what can we do to get better? We don't want to keep going outside. We don't want to keep, you know, working or staying up. We want to rest. We have to let go of that thing in order to get better and get through and heal from it. And I think so many people are so tight, stuck up on, and I've experienced this multiple times where, you know, you get stuck up on the idea of what you should be instead of what you could be. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the sooner we let that go of like what people expect for us. And even just as the last year, right. I moved back when I moved back from Georgia to New York, you know, the literally three days after I moved back, I was in a full-time job. And it was just like, because of that expectation, I felt like, you know, uh, I said, I was never moving back to New York. I felt, you know, I had like all my entrepreneurial things were coming through and now it just felt like, wow, everybody was right. I kind of have to. And, and it's like, that's not it. It's just, at times you have to do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do and you can do. And that doesn't mean anything about you or as a person, like once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. And it doesn't mean that. And so just like letting go of like the expectations and the, um, like the obligations that other people put on you and figuring out, okay, what really matters to me? And like, I love how you keep, you know, um, you know, talking about like your kids and, you know, how do you think, and this is like leading into my next question, like, how do you think being like a mom has impacted your entrepreneurial journey? And if you don't mind, like, how old are your twins? Yeah. So my twins are six years old. Um, 
And I think for me too, my son has some, you know, unique needs, like he, you know, he has some special needs. So being in a, um, being, you know, an entrepreneur, I think is very, um, it's perfect for having kids because I have a flexible schedule. When the school call, if he, you know, like he was sick, I was able to go to school, pick him up and take care of him. When I was in my principal job, assistant principal job, it was difficult to leave the school. Mm, yeah, you can't just leave <laughs> to go get. Yes, like, I'll be back. My kid's sick, right? Um, it was difficult to do that. So I think, you know, really doing this work is a lot easier with, for me, with having my kids because I could take my kids anywhere. I could, you know, if I, my kid was here sick, I could still be on the phone with you, be on client calls, whatever it is. It's a lot easier. It's flexible. We could take calls from the park, right? So I think um, that was part of my biggest um, push to go back into that, right? To get back into being on my own and really modeling for my kids to really follow their hearts and doing the things that really move them. And I think my daughter at four, almost five said to me, mommy, why do you have to leave the house so early in the morning? And she, you know, I was leaving like six, I wasn't getting home to like six, seven at night. And one day she said to me, mommy, I want one more hug. And she was crying and, you know, I couldn't, yes, the tears. They can't and I was do running that. Out. Yes. <laughs> I had my coffee in one hand, my lunchbox, my bag, and I was running out the house. She's like, one more hug. And she was bawling. And then she said, why can't you just have a job where you work on the computer from home? And I was like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, that, that was just like, oh my God, the divine tell my four-year-old to tell me to like, cut it out right <laughs> like I mean so yeah that's really like listening to those little people in our lives I think is the best the best way for me to explain this is listening to my kids listen to their wants their needs and um and then that helps me follow my heart follow my desires and my dreams and doing the things that is going to and is benefiting the, the entire family um so I think it's a balance always you know being a mom is always a balance and it's never perfect, right? I accept help, right? I accept help. I get a babysitter to help me when I need to. I accept the help because I can't do it all. My wife is amazing. She's very helpful and supportive. So I'm not doing it alone. It's, it's a village, right? People, it's a village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true, so true. And I love that, you know, the, the universe is like, oh, you ain't gonna listen to me? Watch what I baby tell tell her what tell her what she needs to do right yeah. and so the message did come through a different vessel but it came through and you got it and now and now you know you have um your business so that's really great and so we're coming to the end of our interview and the question that i usually ask at the end is like what information or task or homework would you like to leave the audience like what would your last piece of advice be you know in the unfortunate event they got nothing from this interview which i know that's not possible but in the case right what would you like to leave them with as like a message to um, keep going and you know some piece of advice or thing to do yeah sure so I would say definitely listen to the little voice within cut out the outside noise if there's a lot of noise on the outside the little voice within just listen to that little voice and that's what you need to do because once you listen to that voice your life will start to unfold in the ways that it's meant to, right? Things will start coming to you. You'll start attracting the people, the situations. There will be a path that will be opening up for you to, to follow you know, your dreams, your desires, whatever it is for you to follow that. And I think that is the biggest lesson that I learned. And um, it's, it's, I think it's a spiritual journey, right? 
I believe it's a spiritual journey, all of it. Um, and I think once we follow that, I think things will get more answers once we follow that and stop listening to people. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Listen to, again, like that inner voice, like nobody's not going to know what's best for you. At the end of the day, even, you know, your closest friends, family, partners will never know. It's like you have to then decide what's best for you in that moment and define your version of freedom, success, happiness wealth like you have to define that for yourself and then start pursuing that and it's not an easy journey it doesn't happen overnight it takes years and years and years and years and years and years but again the journey is a huge part of like it being real like believing it and then doing it is the, the biggest part of it being real so that was another episode guys of doing the most misadventures of entrepreneurship thank you so so much for being here with us simone you guys can find more information about simone in the caption section in the show notes if you want to follow up with her follow on social get connected and you know improve your life and get some coaching <laughs> um we'll see you guys on another episode of doing the most the misadventures of entrepreneurship bye Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Doing the Most. Catch us here next week, same time, same place. If you can't wait, head on over to doingthemost.xyz to stay connected. Until next time, keep on doing.